Blog Talk Radio. Presidente, located high atop the Balance Studios on the west side in the west suburbs of Indianapolis. So good to have you along on a Saturday morning. We do this thing called the Balance, where we guide you through the crazy world of sports. I am your pilot. I am your captain. I am the one who will get you through to the other side. We've got a great show planned for you today. You know, we had to play around with the name a little bit. Dos, meaning two. NFL Week 2, Trace, meaning 3, Week 3, College Football. Well, and of course, there's Bristol. <laughs> Those are the three things we got going on this uh, this weekend. Week uh, 2 of the NFL brings us Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, fresh off their win in Detroit against a packed house, sold-out Detroit Lions. We're going to talk about that win. Of course, they've got the Minnesota Vikings uh, coming up as well. And then we've got uh, Adam Jividen, our college football cohort, uh, partner in crime, super Browns fan, super duper Cavs fan, uh, super Ohio State fan. He's just an all-around super guy. He's going to be joining us as well. And, of course, uh, we're going to be talking, uh, of course, the um, what's going on in NASCAR and everything that's going on there. I'm so excited about it. We're getting closer and closer to a championship. And so – a lot of action out in Bristol, so we'll we'll see what's uh, what's happening there as well. My name is Tom Marquis El Presidente, 917-889-8516. We'll be right back with Ed Kratz right here on the Balance Radio Network. Hi, this is a good one, kind of cruise. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103. 
or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got it's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they... Investor philanthropists, do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and okay. roasted. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Now, who I know isn't dead, at least I hope he isn't, because he says he's, gonna, he's driving. So, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, SI.com, and our official NFL contributor. Welcome aboard, sir. How are you? Hey, good morning, Tom. I hope you can hear me okay. I can, I can hear you just, I can hear you just fine. You know, we get, get your uh, uh, walk-up songs loaded, but we'll have them loaded for the next time. And so that's actually Tony's walk-up song, but I know you have this. Uh, kindred spirit with Lady Gaga, so I wanted to make sure that that was a perfect. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I saw Lady Gaga in Vegas uh, when the Eagles played in uh, Las Vegas last October. Yeah. My wife and I went to see Lady Gaga yeah, in one of the casinos. She was tremendous. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, if you got to see Lady Gaga anywhere to to have that ultimate fan experience, it ha- would have to be. Uh, Las Vegas, that's for sure. Well, Ed, welcome aboard. I tell you what, we're ready to go with week two of the uh, NFL. Week one uh, gave a victory to the Eagles in a packed house up there in Detroit. Um, good close game. Uh, let's break that down, and then we'll, we'll talk about what you guys got coming up with injuries and 
of course, you've got the Minnesota Vikings on slate this uh, weekend as well. So, uh, look like, and it looks like you had a pretty good view of, of all the action uh, last week, too. Yeah, well, the one unique thing about Ford Field is, you know, the media really sits out kind of as a, with the fans. You know, there's no, uh, no glass partition uh, between, you know, you and the, and the, and the goings-on. So, kudos to those Detroit fans, man. They really showed up. And I, I've been telling people that might have been the second loudest venue I've ever been in NFL-wise behind the Eagles-Vikings NFC Championship game in 2017 when the, when the Eagles blew out the Vikings go to the Super Bowl, that place was rocking, but man, Ford Field, you couldn't hear yourself talk to the reporters next to you, I mean, that's how loud it was, and even on the field, I mean, it was it, it was loud, and it was stuffy, I, I'm not sure the, you know, the maintenance people may have been instructed to keep the temperature, you know, high before the air kicked on, because it was hot in there, and, you know, oh, yeah. almost 70,000 people, and it was a tough place for the Eagles to go in and win, and almost blew it, but, you know, they showed some resiliency by hanging on to win a tight 38-35 game. Well, it was a good game to watch, That that's for sure. Uh, I, I saw the, uh, and I don't know if you saw it or not, the uh, the viral uh, video that's going around of, of uh, Travis Kelsey just being thrown around like a ragdoll uh, by Rodriguez, uh, rookie Rodriguez. Did you see that? Yeah, gave him a nice hip yeah, he gave us <laughs> and Kelsey. You know, we talked about it, we laughed about it. You know, and, and Kelsey does a podcast now with his brother Travis. You know, the tight end at Kansas yeah. City, uh, and and it's terrific. Uh, it, it comes out every Wednesday, and they had their se- second episode. And Travis asked him about that, and, and he, you know how it went viral. And Kelsey's like, "Look, if you're in the NFL and you haven't uh, had a video go viral because you played like crap, then you're just not doing it right." So you know, he had a good attitude about it. <laughs> You know, he, he said Malcolm Rodriguez is, is a really good player. And, uh, you know, I guess he was the star of the Hard Knock series, too, this past summer with HBO. I didn't watch a whole lot of that, but uh, uh-huh. I guess, he, you know, he, he's got a lot of personality, too, in addition to being able to play football. Well, that's always, a, that's always important. Well, let's talk about the, the playbook for la, from last week. What did they uh, – what kind of – what happened? You, you're right, they did kind of hang on there. I was kind of engulfed in my own game here, which, by the way, we'll get to here in a minute, and I'm still fuming about that game, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so I didn't get to see, a, see it all uh, other than, you know, during the red zone uh, action and, and that sort of stuff. But I didn't get to see all of the, the game. So talk with us about the, you know, the – the ABCs, the the would have, could have, should have against the Lions, and then we'll get into the Vikings, and we got these other teams to cover because it is week two of the NFL. Yeah, well, I think the key to the win against the Eagles came on special teams. Uh, the Eagles got out to a 31-14 lead, and then the Lions scored a touchdown late in the third quarter to cut it to 10, and then they tried an onside kick, and the Eagles didn't bite, which – was surprising, you know. Usually, just start retreating, but they noticed Austin Seibert, the uh, Lions kicker, was walking up to the uh, ball a little bit differently. His approach to the ball was different, so they gave out an alert, and the Eagles were able to recover. Zach McPherson, their second-year cornerback, caught the ball in the air and just fell down with it, and that gave the Eagles field position at the 49-yard line of Detroit. And five plays later, they get a one-yard Boston Scott touchdown run to make it 38-21 and, and then they held on from there you 
in the fourth quarter. Uh, made it very interesting, but the Eagles were able to pick up a first down late. Uh, with under two minutes, Lions were out of timeout, so the Eagles offense was able to kind of finish uh, the game with the football and, and uh, you know, get ready for Minnesota on Monday night. Well, it's going to be a fun game on Monday night. Obviously, anytime you play on Monday night, it's great, but you've got the Minnesota Vikings. Talk a little about how the, how the uh, Eagles are preparing for the Vikings. I mean, it, it's at home. I mean, it should be a, an electric stadium, electric, a lot of energy going in there. But I'm, I'm going to say this is going to be a tough team uh, for you guys to beat uh, with the Vikings. And, I mean, a lot of people might underestimate Kirk Cousins, but I, I'm saying don't underestimate Kirk Cousins. I'm really excited to see this game, but I think this is going to be one of those close games, again, uh, for you guys. I, I think that the Eagles will pull off the win, but it certainly won't be an easy win. Yeah, no, if I, if I was a betting man, I'd stay away from this game. It's, a, it's definitely a toss-up. You know, Kirk Cousins is 6-3 and three against the Eagles, you know, when he played in Washington. Uh, he's very good against the Eagles. He's thrown over 20 touchdowns, only, I think, five or six interceptions in in those nine games. So, you know, right there you have a trend. And then there's another trend where the Eagles haven't won a week two football game since 2016. So, you know, they're used to starting 0-2 or 1-1. and Even in their Super Bowl season, they lost to the Chiefs in week uh, two and started 1-1. and So uh, that's a trend. Uh, the Eagles defense, you know, trends aside, the Eagles defense has to play better. I mean, they gave up, you know, career-high 140 yards to DeAndre Swift of the Lions and I have Dalvin Cook coming in here who can uh, is a better pass catcher out of the backfield than, than Swift. And, uh, you know, Cousins will use him. But, but then, of course, you have Justin Jefferson, who's, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in football. Uh, and, and the painful part of that is the Eagles could have had him in the draft. <laughs> Instead, they took Jalen Rager, uh, who now they traded to Minnesota, who's talking about coming in and getting revenge and all this stuff. But uh, we'll, we'll see about that. He didn't have a role in the offense last week in their win over Green Bay. Um, but, yeah, this is going to be a really good game. And I, I think these are two of the top, you know, five teams in the NFC, to be perfectly honest with you. And, I, you know, maybe I'm crazy to think this, but this could kind of be a preview of maybe a divisional round type playoff mm-hmm. game or, or even an, you know, NFC championship type game. I mean, that's getting a little ahead of ourselves, getting a lot ahead of ourselves to think that. But, I, you know, this is the kind of game that, you know, we could see these two teams again in January playing one another. Well, one thing for sure, you, the, the home field advantage will come into play for sure. Uh, you know, uh, Link Field will be rocking under the, the lights, and that will be a, a good advantage for the Eagles. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, it's a big test. I mean, they, uh, the Vikings uh, were able to, to do well against Green Bay, a uh, 23-7 uh, win in their week one opener. Um, so, and as you mentioned, yeah. Justin I, Jefferson I, I, is going to – yeah, Jefferson's tough. And I, and I like their new coaching staff. I like Kevin O'Connell. You know, I think, you know, he, he looks like maybe he could be a home run hire for them. And he, he brought in a defensive coordinator, Ed Donatel, uh, who knows what he's doing. And, you know, this isn't the same fear-based culture that Mike Zimmer had in, in that locker room. You know, he made things tough and, uh, on the players. And, you know, players in Minnesota are saying now it's fun to come to work again with Kevin O'Connell. I mean, he's a young coach first-time head coach, and, and maybe they got it right. And Minnesota could be. We always talk about, you know, the surprise teams that pop up every year and make a playoff run. And I think the Vikings, not sure how much talk there was about them going into the season, but they look like they could be that team that uh, rises up and, and surprises. 
Well, let's take a look, a quick uh, look at the injury report. I was looking over it briefly. I don't see anything that's really majorly going to be impactful into this game. Uh, it looks like you had a lot of players on rest, uh, but uh, uh, you know maybe Jack Stoll with his his ankle might be a, an issue. Uh, Landon, Landon Dickerson, I, I hear sick. I don't know if he's going to be able to play, but those are the two notable players that I think would be affected by the injury report uh, this week uh, that came out yesterday. Yeah, the Eagles will be healthy. I mean, you know, it was an illness for Dickerson, and, you know, they have tight ends. I mean, Stoll played a lot last week, um, you know, in a blocking capacity and on special teams. But, you know, they'll they'll play. And, you know, that was kind of the whole point of their summer training camp was to stay healthy and fresh going into the season. And, you know, they have everybody available. Last week, uh, I expect this week will be the same. Uh, Nick Sirianni's going to talk to us, and that's why I'm driving. He's going to talk to us at 10 o'clock this morning to – you know, kind of go over the last time they'll talk to us before the game. So, you know, and we'll get an update later today, too, when they put out their injury report. But they'll be healthy, and the Vikings are, too. So, you know, that's a great thing. Both teams are at, you know, full full force here, and, you know, it should be a good matchup. It should be a great matchup. Well, let's uh, get uh, talking around the league and, and go through some of these games. And um, and if we got time, we'll get into some trade rumors as well. But let's talk about tomorrow's game, and we'll just kind of go around the league and just kind of get your thoughts on these games. And we will eventually get to my Colts, but I'm in no big hurry. <laughs> we should have never been in that spot to begin with. And 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 and, and I know that the the kicker was we're looking for another kicker, and I know he was he was waived because he missed a relatively easy uh, chip shot in overtime that would have gave us the win. There has to be more in the backstory of why he was waived. We'll get to that in a second. But the Patriots and the Steelers, uh, what are your thoughts on this game for week week two? Well, I, I saw a stat where the Patriots haven't started a season 0-2 since 2001. Uh, which is really amazing. And they're sitting at 0-1 now with a tough game on deck. And Mac Jones has, you know, something going on with his back there. So, uh, you know, the Steelers, Trubisky didn't play all that great last week, but they did win and they beat, the, the, you know, the AFC rep in the Super Bowl, right, the Bengals. Uh, I think the Bengals missed the PAT at the end or that game probably would have gone to overtime. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a tough spot for the Patriots. I'm not, I don't think they're that good in New England. And, you know, the Steelers, uh, you know, they have a game under the belt. They won. I, I like the Steelers in this game. I just think – I just don't think New England's all that good. You know, we've seen uh, Mitch Trubisky, Mitch the Biscuit, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, on, on a couple other teams. Uh, I, 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 and you know, the, the thing about it, what we immediately want to fall to is, okay, is this guy the replacement for Ben Roethlisberger? Probably not. Is it fair for us to say, hey, these are you got? Look at these big shoes that you got to fill. Probably not, but I say give the man a chance. I mean, uh, let, let's see what happens. He'll be making his regular season deba- debut uh, in, in front of Steelers fans against the uh, New England Patriots. So, um, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on, on Mitch being? Yeah. yeah, Mitch. I mean, he's the third team, right? I mean. Drafted by the Bears in Buffalo last week or last year, and now he's in uh, uh-huh. Pittsburgh. So, yeah, I, I, I thought Kenny Pickett would probably be the quarterback by the middle of October, maybe when they play the Eagles. You'd see the debut of Kenny Pickett. I'm just not a big Trubisky guy. Uh, guy uh, I, I'm not sure he's the answer. You know, he's more, I guess, a placeholder. Kenny Pickett can, you know, become a little more prepared watching. But I, 
I still think Pickett will eventually take over for him at some point this season. But, you know, one thing I want to say about the Steelers, he had that big injury with T.J. Watt. You know, he had that pec injury mm-hmm. that uh, people thought maybe he would miss the season with it. But I guess there was – it wasn't torn. The muscle wasn't torn or something. I'm, I'm not a doctor. But uh, he's only going to miss like six weeks. So, you know, that's a big break for Pittsburgh getting the, uh, that pass rusher in there. So, yeah, that's a big – that's a big uh, – player to be missing here though going into you know new england this week and then you know next week and beyond so uh trubisky's gonna have to kind of pick that pick the level of play up i think to get that offense to score some points because their defense is missing a big piece let's talk about the Bengals who lost last week and so did the cowboys they'll be at dallas and of course you got jamar chase and uh, Javon Diggs, uh, uh, you know, big players uh, that you need to contend with on both sides of, of the of the line, if you will. Uh, but when we look at the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, I, I think there's some questions that you know come in uh, above the the uh, the game. I mean, will 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 Tolbert even be will he be inactive again? I don't know. One of the more disappointing parts about last week. But what are your thoughts when you look at this Bengals? And Cowboys game, there's certainly some questions around, um, you know, J- Jalen Tol- Tolbert and, and and other guys on on the Cowboys. Well, yeah, Dak Prescott, you know, they don't have their quarterback, uh, and the Cowboys were the only team in the NFL last week that didn't score a touchdown. You know, they only put up a measly three points against the Bucks. So, uh, you know, Dak Prescott not being there certainly doesn't help that offense any. Um, they, they look like a mess, uh, which is kind of what some people thought they might be, um, you know, coming into the season. Their offensive line didn't play particularly well, I don't think. Their their defense is kind of the Micah Parsons show, uh, and he's tremendous. I love Micah Parsons. I think he's just a tremendous player. You know, that was a great pick by Dallas. But, uh, you know, they, they, they didn't look good. And, you know, now they don't have Dak. So who, who are you riding with there, Cooper Rush? Uh, the Cowboys didn't do anything to address the backup quarterback situation. And I was a little surprised when they didn't bring back Andy Dalton, who was there with them last year when Dak got hurt and kind of helped them win games as veteran. But now he's, he's in the, uh, New Orleans. So yeah, that, that's, uh, that team's not very good right now. And I, I'm not sure, you know, how good they are going to be as we go along here. And the Bengals, they went to the Super Bowl last year and, you know, teams that usually go to the Super Bowl don't come back and do great the following year. It's hard to, you know, recapture that, uh, you know, intensity and all that other stuff you need, attention to detail. Uh, and they're 0-1, and they're, they have a better roster than Dallas. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to be a game the Bengals should win. All right, let's kind of go through these games kind of at a hot seat so that we got time to get through them all. Certainly you watched the Detroit Lions uh, last week and got a little bit of a peek of what they're capable of. We also got a very good peek of what the Washington Commanders are, are capable of. This should be a, another smash-mouth game uh, between the Detroit Lions and the Washington Commanders, two teams who are trying very, very hard to prove their, their spot and their worthiness in the NFL in the 2022 season early. Yeah, and people ask me this week, you know, on different shows, who the biggest threat to the Eagles was in the NFC East, and I think it's Washington. I think, you know, Wentz threw four touchdown passes last week, but he also threw two interceptions on back-to-back series. So, you know, you take the good and you take the bad with him. But, I, you know, their offense, you know, Curtis Samuel looks like a good addition to that offense. McLaurin really didn't do much, Terry McLaurin, last week. 
Uh, and then Detroit, uh, I'm excited to see that atmosphere again. You know, those fans, they're dying. They're thirsting for, for something to cheer about. And uh, they turned out in force last week for Philadelphia. I'm assuming they're going to do the same this week uh, when, when the commanders come to town. And Dan Campbell, uh, you know, he, he I think he's a pretty decent coach. I, you know, I, I think this is going to be a really good game. Um, you know, maybe the home field will help Detroit win this week. They had a game under their belt against the Eagles. They saw what they need to work on. Uh, I'm not 100% sold on Carson Wentz at this point, but uh, it's going to be a good game. I, I'm going to go with the home team here and probably take the Lions. Let's talk a little bit about the Panthers and the Giants. Uh, Panthers obviously being my uh, granddaughter's favorite team. Uh, she likes to root for the Panthers. Uh, certainly a lot to watch with the Panthers there, a big story playing. But I kind of want to talk about the Giants for a minute. You said you weren't a betting man, and I'm kind of not really a betting man. I just kind of started doing it when they uh, let it be legal here in Indiana with these sports books. And so I, I do um, uh, Caesars and I do DraftKings. And I never did a um, – in-game bet uh, before ever. So I thought, okay, well, the Giants, the Titans are playing. The Giants are ahead. We'll see what happens. I threw $5 on just for the plane-out win. And the Giants turned, came back to win that game by one point and gave me $65. So right now I'm kind of – I like the Giants. But really, this, let's look at this matchup between the Panthers and the Giants. The Giants came out of nowhere last week to beat a very good Tennessee Titans team. Uh, and then, of course, the Panthers, the story, the jury's still out – for me on the Panthers this year. Uh, but uh, as we go into week two, the Panthers and the Giants. Yeah, the Panthers had a tough loss last week, right? Cleveland, uh, Cade York makes mm-hmm. that 58-yard field goal. I mean, I think that kind of opened some eyes. Hey, Carolina might not be as bad as some thought. You know, Baker Mayfield gives them a chance. Uh, I still don't think they have much on the offensive line. But uh, the Giants, yeah, Brian Dable coach. But, you know, the Giants were kind of – they're cutting guys. You know, they cut their top tackler because of salary cap hell they're in, Blake Martinez. They they cut James Bradbury, their cornerback, with four interceptions last year, and now he's starting for the Eagles. So, I, you know, I'm not sure what their expectation level is in New York, but listen, you start 1-0 and and you have a new head coach and a new, you know, new coaching staff, and, you know, you, you're finally giving the ball to Saquon Barkley. He's a year removed from that ACL surgery at 160 yards, I think it was. Uh, listen, if they can ride Barkley and he can stay healthy, uh, you know, they, they can win some games. And, you know, they're, they're, the fans up there in New York are going to be they're like the Detroit fans. The Giants haven't done anything in a decade. They haven't been to the playoffs. So, you know, they're thirsty, too. So that's, that's going to be a tough spot for Carolina to come in. But I, I think Carolina is going to find a way to win this game. Uh, I don't know how, but I, I, I just think that, you know, they got fun last week. Giants might be feeling, you know, pretty good about themselves. We'll probably talk a little bit uh, more detail about this game, the Jets and the Browns with Adam when Adam gets on here. I know you, you can't stay on much longer, so we do want to just get your thoughts real quickly on that, and then I want to get your thoughts on the Colts before we have to wrap you up and put a, put a bow on you, sir. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, Jets. I mean, Joe, Joe Flacco threw the ball 59 times last week. That's, a, that's just crazy for, you know, the kind of player he is now. I mean, I – I don't know why they just didn't try to run the ball more. Maybe they were behind and they needed to. I don't know how that game has to close, but, uh, you know, that's too many passes for any quarterback, yet alone one that's, you know, 38 years old. I thought I would never see the day again where Jeff Flacco would throw 59 passes. I mean, he was in Philly last year. They traded him uh, at the deadline to the Jets. 
Um, but you know, I, I, you know, Robert Sala's means a business man. He's taking receipts up there in New York. That's what he said this week. And all the people that criticized him. So I, I think he'll have his team ready to play. Um, you know, the Browns again. Kate York, what a, what a, you know, what a great rookie this kid is. I mean, four field goals last week. He was the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Um, 58 yarder to win the game. I mean, that's a real weapon right there. And you know, the Browns. Uh, they, they did some good things. Um, you know, I'm not sure Jacoby Brissett's the answer, 160-some yards passing, but I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, and I think the Jets can win the game. Well, let's talk about the Colts. We've got the Jaguars this week. Uh, Blakenship was released uh, after missing a, uh, really, for him, a chip shot, 40 yards, 42 yards uh, field goal in, in overtime to uh, – you know, keep the game in overtime, so we lost. We should have never been in overtime. A couple of things that I'm like, you know, first of all, we got a new quarterback, Matt Ryan. We thought, okay, our problems are going to be solved. We've got, we got all kinds of other positions filled that uh, were supposed to be solved. That we, we looked in, excuse me, we looked at training camp, but these, these issues are going to be solved. It's checkbox, 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 checkbox. They get out on the field against a mediocre Houston Texans team. And they just basically fell apart to the fourth quarter. And then, like, oh, wait, are we playing football this week? Are, you, are we out of camp? Matt Ryan, extremely disappointing. And I, I, I hate to be that bandwagon guy, but I am going to be this week. And I know that he took a lot of, uh, a lot of gripes on the local media here, as you can imagine. Uh, and we may not be as harsh as maybe New York or Philadelphia is, but I, I can tell you one thing. Uh, Colts fans and Colts media is about fed up with the way the Colts are going. And, and now there's talk, okay, do, do we get rid of Frank Reich? Where is the answer to the problem here? Matt Ryan could not hang on to that ball. He could not stay up. You know, it was just one thing. I understand this wasn't all him. It wasn't all Blankenship. But the point is the Colts should have never been in that situation to begin with. Blankenship ended up being the fall guy. I don't know where he'll end up at. He's a relatively decent kicker, so I'm sure he'll end up on a – another team here soon, but are, are we just pushing the panic buttons too much? Because if, I guarantee you, if we go in tomorrow and we lose against Jacksonville, who Jacksonville was the worst team in the NFL last year, and we lost to them, which was one of the, one of the reasons why uh, Carson Wentz is one of the many reasons Carson Wentz is no longer with us, uh, it's not going to be pretty uh, for the Colts team as an organization in front of the fans or the media. I will now step off my st- uh, soapbox, sir. I told you there was a reason I was saving that for last. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good summation there. You know, I think you have to be careful week one uh, to not overreact, and I know it's hard to do, and you don't want to be 0-2. That's a bad place to be in the NFL. You don't want to fall in know two game hole but uh you know listen it's week one um to me these first couple of weeks of the nfl season are kind of like extended preseason games teams are still trying to match that intensity that they're going to need try to ramp it up they're going to they're still learning how to tackle you know the eagles were one of the worst tackling teams last weekend in the nfl and you know conditioning is an issue uh still because if you're not doing much football stuff in summer, you can't get into football shape. And, you know, maybe that's what happened with the Colts. Or maybe they just kind of took the Texans lightly. Now you go into Jacksonville, which is a, a house of horrors for them, right? I mean, you lost the last game of the regular season last year to knock you out of the playoffs. And, uh, you know, not a good good spot. 
lot for the Colts here. Zero and one going to this place in Jacksonville where you have a hard time winning against a, a, a team now coached by a, a head coach and Doug Peterson that has won a Super Bowl. You know he knows how to put a game plan together. He knows how to find another team's strengths and weaknesses and and play to that. So it's a tough spot for the Colts. I mean, he did some good things, right? I mean, Jonathan Taylor looked like he was last year. He ran for what buck forty something like that and. You know, Ryan threw for over 300 yards, I think, and it's just that defense has to play better. And another problem the Colts have is they're, they're hurt. They, you got a lot of guys banged up. You know, you're going to be mm-hmm. without Alec Pierce, you know, your rookie receiver. You're going to be without uh, Shaquille uh, Leonard, the linebacker. You know, the uh, Forrest Buckner is questionable, and so is uh, you know Kenny Moore and. I mean, they've got some guys that are that are hurt, and that's not good either. But somehow I think the Colts will find a way, Tom. I think they're going to find a way to win and, you know, maybe put Frank Reich off of the hot seat here for a week. But I agree well, with so. Reich and, and his job. I mean, listen, he's got to get to the playoffs this year. I know the AFC is loaded, and it's a tough road to hoe, but that division is no great it's worse. And you need to win that division. And you need to win it and make oh, yeah. the playoffs. And if you don't, and you're Frank Wright, two years now out of the playoffs, that, that's not a good look for your head coach. Not a good, so, not, yeah, not a good look at all. Yeah, the, a, the, right. the, AFC, the AFC South is the worst in the division. Last, last week, two teams in the AFC uh, South played each other, and either one of them could pull off a win. Uh, Adam Jimenez, <laughs> super brown fan, super uh, uh, Ohio State fan, super duper Cavaliers fan. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Tom. How are you? Fantastic. We gotta let Ed go here in just one moment as he's headed down to the Philadelphia Eagles press conference, getting ready for uh, the uh, Minnesota Vikings on Monday. Uh, but we had just kind of touched on the Browns and the Jets. Anything you want to say? Anything you got for Ed before we gotta let him go? I, I mean, I expect a win. <laughs> I think in our home opener, uh, I expect a win. And I, and I did, I did catch the tail end of that. One thing I, I do agree with with Ed on is uh, is the conditioning that we saw from week, in week one. Almost every single road team across the league were just struggling by the time they hit the fourth quarter. Uh, and, and I'm curious to see how long that takes to shape up um, and it, it, with these teams that, that if somebody maybe digs themselves too big of a hole that they can't dig out of because their conditioning was just not up to snuff you know, with the way that the team came to preseason now. Ed Kraft yeah. beat Ryan for the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, go ahead, Ed. I, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, listen, the conditioning, if you're not doing football stuff in the summer, you can't get in football shape. You can run all the gassers and, you know, all these little drills you want, but if you're not playing football and tackling and blocking and getting tackled to the ground, it's going to take a while. I, I went into that locker room at Ford Field after the game into the Eagles locker room, and, and, and I looked around, and these, these guys were exhausted. And this is 15, 20 minutes after the game ended. You know, you have that cooling off period before you're allowed to go in. And, and they were still – the guys are sitting on stools, you know. One guy you're – I'm talking to Landon Dickerson. He, he couldn't even get out of his chair. He was so tired, sweating. Uh, and, and I looked around, and I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen a more tired group of faces in my life than what I'm looking at right here. Now, we've been out of the locker room for a couple of years, so maybe I'm not remembering right. But, man, that, those dudes were tired. 
Yeah, I, I, I've, I've heard that from, I mean, tons of people across the league. I know the Browns, similar to the Eagles, dominated for three quarters, and then the fourth quarter, just yeah. they looked gassed. Yeah, exactly. It, it, you know, when it was the Cleveland was down in Carolina last week, right? So, you know, maybe yeah. the heat was a factor. And I know the Eagles were in Detroit, and, yeah, you got a dome. But, man, that place was stuffy. I don't think they used the air conditioner until it hit, like, 80 degrees. And that might have been on, on purpose, kind of like Red Hour back when he used to do those things with the you know cold water in the locker rooms in the NBA yeah. and Boston Celtics. But you know, I, I was wondering because I was sweating like a, a you know a, a racehorse up in the press box, and I'm like, man, I wonder if it's just a stuffy down on the field. And yeah, you, know, you got a low roof. I don't know if you've ever been inside Ford Field, but it's a low roof. Fans are right on top of you. It's a great environment when there's people there. I've never been there when it was you know nearly seventy thousand people. I, you know, whenever the Eagles have gone there, it's been the Lions have always stunk, and they only get like 40,000 people there, and there's a big difference. Um, but what a, that was such a great environment, and it was a tough environment to play in. Just like I'm sure the Browns playing in the heat uh, of North Carolina last week. I'm sure that didn't do them any favors in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 I'm excited I, I, to see what – go ahead, what? Adam. I, oh, no, I was just, yeah, just going to say, uh, absolutely, it's going to be an exciting game to, to watch. Uh, and I know we got a – let you go because you've got uh, obligations. I appreciate you jumping on a little bit early today to help us get through the NFL, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. I really do think the Eagles are going to beat the Vikings, but they got to show up to play, and you know the home field advantage is going to be a, a great opportunity for them. So I appreciate you, and uh, we'll have you on very very soon, hopefully next week. Sounds good. Thanks, fellas. Where where can people find your work at Masterpieces, sir? Uh, I forgot uh, to give you that yeah, tag. Um, yeah, that's fine. Uh, Kratzy on Twitter at K-R-A-C-Z-E or uh, at NFL, uh, I'm sorry, SI.com backslash NFL um, backslash Eagles. And that's where you find the site that has all the videos and stuff. But I usually tweet a lot of that stuff out. So either way is good. Thanks. Well, we'll find you. I promise you, sir. And we'll, we'll get your stuff up on our on our uh, uh, social media. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate that. Thanks, fellas. Hey, right, buddy. Thanks. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles at SI.com. We've got to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll be jumping on some college football talk with our guy, Adam Jividin. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Cherry Coke pants. Mama and Daddy put the roots right here. Cause this is where the car broke down. Yellow dog school bus kicking up red bus kicking us up by barbed wire fence. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow! Oh, moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle Coffee here? 
No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lequa Piquet, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been past their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Thanks, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. Breaking down the NFL, obviously big win for the Eagles last week in Detroit under a packed crowd. Uh, we like to make fun of the Detroit Lions. Rick is in here to join us, but, uh, you know, they don't know they're supposed to be bad, and uh, they, they're happy with a little bit of a loss that they, they, they had. So we'll see. They got the commanders uh, this, this week. We'll see what happens. Keep, keep an eye on those Detroit Lions also break it down the NFL across the NFL uh, with us and, and talk a little culture with us. Joining us now is Adam Jevedin, our partner in crime uh, with the college football and a uh, super Buckeye fan, uh, super duper, duper, duper Cavs fan. And, uh, and we just added that other duper last week or the week before. So, you know, he's super duper, duper uh, <laughs> Cavs fan. Of course, uh, he, he's a dog pounder by in the blood. So uh, real quickly, you said you were looking for a win at home uh, against the um, uh, against the Jets. Flacco came out of nowhere and had a great game last week. You guys had a good game uh, against uh, the Panthers. So you, they, you didn't get effed up by uh, Baker Mayfield, so there's that. Uh, so going into the dog pound on Sunday, uh, what do you got for us? You know, I, I think last week kind of demonstrated the formula for the Browns um, until Deshaun Watson comes back from suspension. It's going to be play good defense, which they did. They played phenomenal defense until the fourth quarter, as I kind of mentioned, where I think they just were gassed um, and they gave up some, some bad plays. But then they won the game on a, on a 58-yard field goal by rookie kicker Cade York in his first game. Um, kicker we drafted on the fourth round from LSU. Um, nailed it. I mean, it was uh, it was beautiful. Um, so yeah, I, I expect them to to come out, um, frankly, and and kind of dominate. I don't I don't see the Jets, especially with dealing with the pass rush of Miles Garrett. He had two sacks last week, uh, and and Jadavian Clowney, um, and then you know they they were bringing safeties and and linebackers. Jeremiah Wusu Cormo was coming off the edge. They just don't have the weapons, and then you combine that with the Browns' run game, which will which will 
make things happen. Uh, Jacoby Brissett came out, admitted in the press conference. Um, he was really tight in the beginning, and he started off, I think, like one for seven. Finished a little over 50% on his passes, um, <clears throat> but he had a couple, especially in the first half, that just got away from him. Um, things that you hope will start to settle down um, in, in a week two game. Um, so we had we didn't really get a chance to really see much from Amari Cooper because, frankly, uh, <laughs> Jacoby just missed him. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I expect a win um, in our home opener uh, to start 2-0. Um, uh, anybody that I've chatted with, uh, about this, I think for the Browns, our hope is that we are around six and five by the time the eleven-game suspension is up. Um, but it could be better because if you can play great defense, control the ball with your running game, you know it always limits offensive possessions. But but I'm hoping I'm hoping for another win, and then we play on Thursday night against Pittsburgh at home. So it's a short week uh, for us, but we get the Thursday night game at home against Pittsburgh and, you know, TJ Watt won't be there with his uh, torn pectoral. Don't know if Cam Hayward will play. Don't know if Najee Harris will play. And, you know, they have you know, like my son out there playing quarterback for him with, it looks like how they, well, they know that. <laughs> so I, I kind of expect a, I, I'm looking at this week going, it's a two and it's a two and week, um, you know, with, with a win on Sunday and then a, and then a win on Thursday. So that's that's what I'm looking at as a Browns fan. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm a Colts fan. I don't want to get back on my soapbox, but I was highly disappointed with the Colts last week. We got Jacksonville going into Jacksonville. We've got we've got a score to settle there, and it better happen. It better happen. It better happen. I'm going to tell you what. I live here in the Indianapolis market. You've been listening to it all week as well, probably. But they have been crucified and duly so should have been. All right, let's get into college football action this weekend. Uh, we always start with the Ohio State Buckeyes when you're on with us. Uh, obviously, the Ohio State hosts its in state foe, if you will, Toledo, uh, in a non conference finale at the Horseshoe. Uh, obviously, obviously, I'm not going to make a case that for Toledo. And, you know, you guys are ranked number three. You've been perfect in both games. There's no reason. I mean, it'll be the – well, I don't know. Maybe the bigger upset of the world was Appalachian in Texas uh, last week. It might be something along those lines if Toledo, uh, if Toledo happens to pull this off. But, but, but the thing about it, it, no matter what, Toledo's a good team. They're the personified favorite in the back this season. And, you know uh, – if they could win 10 games this year, now is not going to get you anywhere in a, in a bowl game or a national championship? No. But in its own right, Toledo is a, is a good team. Uh, and so I'm going to do what I always do with you in Ohio State Buckeyes. So give us the breakdown of Toledo, Ohio State, where you guys are at, and we'll give you a, you know a minute or so to, to get on your soapbox because I know you do best when you're on your soapbox. I release you, sir. Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so this week, you know, I, I, Toledo, Toledo is a good team. They've only given up ten points defensively in two games thus far. Um, so they're they're a good team. They're actually led in tackles by a transfer from Ohio State, Dallas Gantz. He's a linebacker. Um, no, Toledo's solid. You know, they're as you mentioned, they're expected to potentially, probably, win the MAC. Uh, you're talking about a team that's going to go bowling. Um, without a doubt, uh, they've looked really good through two games. Um, 
the big question that Ohio State fans are going to wonder is, is this the game that Jackson Smith, the Jigba, and Julian Fleming, um, two of our starting wide receivers, uh, come back? Because missing JSN um, for the Notre Dame game has kind of caused the offense a little bit of uh, – when he went down early in the first quarter, uh, it caused the offense just some, some hiccups. They were a little out of rhythm. Um, and then last week against Arkansas State, they looked totally fine. Marvin Harrison Jr. caught three touchdowns. Should have been a fourth touchdown. Uh, the ball crossed the goal line, but they didn't review it um, when he had it punched out shortly after. wasn't fumbled. It was just ruled incomplete, but he had already crossed the goal line, and they just – I guess it was just like a mercy uh, <laughs> a mercy takeaway. Um, and then Mecca Gufa uh, looked great. So, you know, Ohio State's fine, but the thing that we would like to do is, is get um, – Jackson Smith and Jigba and Julian Fleming on the field just for some, you know, reps prior to the conference opener next week um, in the horseshoe against Wisconsin. Um, I know a, a little bit of luster probably fell off that game when Wisconsin decided to not play um, essentially against Washington State um, when they lost last week. But uh, at the end of the day, it's still an Ohio State Wisconsin game next week, so you know we'll we'll want we'll want all hands on deck. I think as an Ohio State fan, our biggest thing is just let's get through this game tonight um, with no injuries. We can do that. We will be happy because it will be a big like a big win. Will it cover the point spread that Vegas has attached of thirty one? I don't know because that's a massive cover. Um, but I'm expecting something to the tune of probably like a. I don't know, 45 to like 14 or 45 to 17. Um, they didn't allow Arkansas State a touchdown at all last week. And uh, and then Brian Day came out in the press conference and said, you know, we this week we kind of had a bend but don't break defense. And that actually kind of got our defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, riled up because he's like, this isn't a bend but don't break defense. This is a dominating defense. And I'm like, I like it. Like <laughs> the defense's attitude is even pushing the offense, whereas under Ryan Day, we've had lackluster defenses for the last couple of years. So I, I'm, I'm all for it. I do expect a win today um, by a pretty wide margin. Do they cover the point spread? I, I don't know, just because it's a lot. Um, but I think we'll get close to it. All right, we'll see what happens. Obviously, uh, again, it, it would be the, a crazy win of the week. We saw it last week. I want to get your thoughts on that before we get on to some of these good games that we have going on this week that uh, really do have a meaningful impact. But, I mean, Appalachian State uh, picks up a win against Texas A&M uh, for the first top 10 in 2007, uh, third top 25 win in, in program history. And if we remember uh, a few years back, they beat the team up north uh, with the field goal. So Appalachian State, for whatever reason, they have a way of, of sometimes having really big wins. That was a huge win. Obviously, that was the win that was heard around the globe last week, but Appalachian State upsets uh, at number six, Texas A&M, by the way. What, what are your thoughts on that craziness? You know, I, I got to wonder how long Texas A&M really gives Jimbo Fisher until that seat starts getting hot. And it was the win heard around the world last week, unless Texas – would have held on, and the SEC officials, you know, didn't basically try to gift Alabama the game with 
I mean, just some horribly missed calls there at the end of the game, including Bryce Young being down on his long scramble. He was down back behind the line of scrimmage, should have been sacked, but they not only didn't see it, but then didn't review it because they have to protect Alabama. So, you know, but Texas A&M, they, and and I I still think they could beat Alabama. They're just, every year, Texas A&M has at least one or two losses where you're like, how did that happen? And this was one of them. Appalachian State is, is the school that, if you remember when they beat that team up north, like they would play big name schools every year. They beat that team up north and then they just, Stop getting scheduled because people are like, we don't want that smoke. Like, they, you're, uh, they stopped you're getting bad. scheduled, and then Texas A&M brought them on. And, and what does Texas A&M do? They pay them like $1.5 million and take a loss. You're a, bad, you're a bad influence on me. For those that don't know who we are referring to, and when we call the team from up north, we refer to Michigan because uh, that's an Adam thing. That's an Ohio State thing. So it kind of wore off on me. Uh, but nonetheless, that, yeah, an exciting win. Man. <laughs> that that was a Woody Hayes what? thing. So it, Ohio State fans, we respect the Woody. So, <laughs> well, that that sounds HR appropriate there. Uh, let's let's get a T-shirt. Uh, we'll make a new balance T-shirt. Respect the Woody. <laughs> I love it. Actually, I'm not too far off on the truth on that. And here's here's the thing. And we've been talking about it on social media. Still more to come. We're still under construction. We got a brand new website. Uh, so uh, more to come on that. But we hope to have. Uh, some bobbleheads for sale. The uh, the Adam Jevedin bobblehead that will never stop. And we've got going to have some balanced T-shirts. And I'm going to have Melissa make note of when we start selling T-shirts. Respect the Woody. I swear to God, I am. <laughs> but <laughs> all right, but yeah, guys, have more to come on that. And we're going to be launching that hopefully, knock on wood, by the end of uh, of uh, September, mid October. Brand new, fresh website, brand new everything. And I tell you what, we want to thank uh, Steve Wilson, who's editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, who helped us uh, put this together. So all the props for him on that as well. So we're soon to be launching that new website and, and exciting to have that apart. And, and I know that, Adam, we've talked about you having a part on that website too. So more to come on all that. But let's get into some of what I think is some of the key games today. Uh, certainly, let's start with the, with the game on Fox, which is their game of the week, Oklahoma and Nebraska. Uh, Mickey Joseph will lead the courthouse cross out of the tunnel into the post, air quotes, squat, squat, Scott. Well, maybe that's why he got fired, because he couldn't do squat. Scott Frost era after the legendary former uh, uh, Cornhuskers quarterback was fired on Sunday. Uh, he'll see uh, old, they'll see old big, 12 rival Oklahoma on the other side. There's no doubt that a win over the most consistent programs over the last decade decade would uh, ease some of the tension in Lincoln, Nebraska. First of all, let's talk about that decision to release Scott Frost. No big surprise there. Actually surprised that it ha- that it ha- didn't happen sooner. But you know, Scott Frost was the Messiah for Nebraska for the longest time. Uh, what was the fall from, from glory with them? Him. You know, it was like it was like Frost like never like got off the bus. It was it was just a, a rough almost from like day one. He never picked up a. I mean, I can't think of a single signature win that they had um, in the Scott Frost era. They they would routinely lose 
big games. And then what was happening is, is that recruits are seeing that. And guess what they're doing? They're choosing to go somewhere else because, you know, you can't say that you're a big-time program and lose every big-time game you ever have. And they were not only plagued with recruiting issues, but Scott Frost, I mean, almost every major game, it was almost like he, he wanted it so badly that it would lead to this anxiousness that you could just sense on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And they, they would have some absolutely awful late-game decisions almost weekly, like where you're just like, yeah. what, what are you doing? A decision that maybe, maybe it was going forward on fourth down or against Northwestern. He had the, the really stupidly timed onside kick to, that they didn't recover to – you know, clock management issues, almost every, like, late second half coaching gap that you can have, Scott Frost has had at least once in his in his tenure at Nebraska. Well, we'll see. Um, Nebraska gets a win uh, over Oklahoma. I think it's a pretty good prediction, uh, at least as far as I'm concerned. Uh, do you agree or disagree? You know, I, Oklahoma, this is what's really hard is, is with the bad decisions that Scott Frost made, it's really kind of hard to see the forest from the trees on this. Like, mm-hmm. how much talent does yeah. Nebraska actually have? I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Do I think it could happen? Absolutely. Because I also don't – I don't think we have a clue what, we, what anybody has in Oklahoma either. Um, you know, oftentimes teams, when they let a coach go, there is that, like, shot in the arm to kind of help the interim coach get over – um, which I believe the interim coach is offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Um, and, and and you know I just I think it, it could happen. Will I would I put a bet on it? No. Um, would I would I be surprised if it happened? Also no. So I guess put me in the camp mm-hmm. of a strong possibly. <laughs> okay. A strong maybe. All right, let's move on to the game of the week on CBS, and that's number 24, Penn State at Auburn. Uh, this is a really critical game for Auburn. The, the, the Auburn team has, has, has struggled against San Jose State, struggled against San Jose State, sorry, uh, last weekend, um, but ha- has a coach in, in Brian Harrison, Harson, I, I don't know why I always say that wrong, uh, who was run, run off in February. So uh, Penn State versus Auburn. This big game for Auburn. Nittany Lions, though, I like them. Big Ten team, and they're strong, and uh, they're, they're a smash-you-in-the-mouth type of team. At least they were last year, and we'll see if that continues to happen this year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I frankly, I expect Penn State to go win this game. Um, I just, I don't think Auburn's very good. Auburn, they, they, they let Gus Malzahn go um, because he couldn't win hugely and I don't know I think Auburn you know looks across their state at their rival and they think they should be Alabama and you're not and you never will be um you know you got that national championship with Cam um but that's it like I don't I just I don't think Auburn is is living realistically with 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 how good they should be um, I do expect Penn State to win, uh, assuming assuming Clifford doesn't turn the ball over a million times. 
Um, and if he does start turning the ball over, is that when they turn, you know, the quarterback position over to their uh, to their five-star quarterback, the highest-ranked quarterback they've had at Penn State in forever, uh, Drew Aller, who's uh, from Ohio. He was the number one quarterback in the recruiting class this last year. Um, who essentially kind of wanted to go to Penn State the whole time. Um, when Ohio State had Quinn Ewers uh, before he transferred, um, it really caused Aller to not really give Ohio State a look, which is fine. Um, you know, if Penn State's the best place for him. Um, and 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 I could I could see a scenario where where uh, if Clifford struggles in this big game, they turn it over to Drew Aller and just let the young kid who has immense talent. Um, try to go win this game, um, but I I think kind of no matter how it how it turns out, how it gets there, um, I think Penn State will win the game today. And, and end up well, winning. Big game. No, go ahead. Go right ahead. I was just saying, and win comfortably. Like I see a a, a, a double digit margin of victory for for Penn State today against Auburn. Another uh, game, big game that a lot of people are going to be watching, especially if you're out on the West Coast, Fresno State versus USC. This is going to be a high-octane offense uh, set to clash at the Coliseum. Uh, points will be plentiful, so if you're, if you're betting a cover on this this game, it would probably be a very good game for either, either one to do this. But really, what a difference a year makes. I mean, US, USC fired Clay Hilton uh, following a 42-28 and 28, uh, loss to Stanford. And, and this year, USC returned the favor by hammering Stanford 41-28. Uh, so, Fresno State, we don't talk a lot about them here on the on the Midwest or whatever because they're pretty much West Coast. So, we're usually in bed by the time these games come on or whatever. Uh, but, Fresno State, USC is going to tell the true story. Whichever one comes out on the other end, that those are the that's the team we're going to be talking. We've been talking about the number seven ranked USC because they're USC where they're located at. But the dark horse for this game is Fresno State very much can beat USC. And, and like Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan to get punched in the mouth. And USC very well might be that team that can punch UC, USC in the mouth this week. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely could happen. I, I'm still not sold on, on USC's defense. Um, but that offense, it's going to be hard for many of these West Coast teams because I just I haven't seen a team on the West Coast that, that plays uh, like a complete defense. I know Utah um, has a really good defense, but they kind of, you know, practically cross country to play Florida in week one. Um, they got beat on a late interception. Um, by Florida, but I still expect Utah to be in, in the mix for the Pac-12. I just I don't know what teams um, can keep up with offensively. I expect USC because they can score points in bunches with 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 Caleb Williams um, and distributing the ball to Jordan Addison, who won the Blitnikoff last year um, at Pitt. Uh, I I expect USC to, to pull this out. Uh, I don't know that. I don't think there will be a top 10 upset to let USC, you know, inch closer, but it wouldn't shock me to see USC in the top five um, by the end of the season, just off the strengths of their offense alone. 
All right, let's uh, let's stay out there on the West Coast a little bit. Number twelve BYU at number twenty-five Oregon. Uh, the college football world really seemed to wrote off the Ducks after they got smoked by Georgia in Week One. Uh, but uh, first-year coach Dan Lanning could erase that disappointment with a win uh, over the Cougars uh, that that stopped the top Baylor in a double overtime thriller last week. Uh, and certainly Baylor is a team that we like to watch as well. Uh, so if you haven't watched the Cougars quarterback, Jalen uh, Hall, uh, uh, this would be a good week to, to watch that. Uh, I mean, Jalen Hall is the real deal. Yeah, he's he's really Jaren, good. I mean, I'm sorry, I said Jalen. I meant Jaren. My apologies. I'm just a host. BYU has another potential. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, Hall, Hall is absolutely in contention to be a first-round draft pick. Um, similar mm-hmm. to their last quarterback, Zach Wilson. Um, he's very talented. He's very raw. But I think this Oregon team, they're – yeah, they're they're just – they're not very good. Um, I, I mean, they're in the top 25 right now just because of where they started the season. Um, but I, I fully expect BYU uh, to win. And, and, again, BYU, similar to that USC prediction – could end up in the top 10, maybe not top five, but the top 10 way faster than anyone expected when you had some of those unexpected losses by Texas A&M and, and some of these other schools. So, yeah, I, I fully – I expect BYU to, to beat Oregon, and BYU this year is going to be that team like Cincinnati was last year where they're a non-Power 5 school that's – beaten on the door for a New Year's Six slash playoff spot if someone were to falter. That's, or, or we have, you know, multiple – because I, I think the top three of Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia are clearly a cut above, but nobody really knows who's going to fill that fourth spot yet. And a, and a good run by BYU, maybe it could be them. It's definitely possible because, I mean, I've watched Clemson, and Clemson just kind of makes you just go like, okay, like you, you beat two bad teams. But I just I, I don't I don't know that they have the juice um, to to ride all the way to the playoffs. But BYU, if they go undefeated. I mean, they're going to have a very good argument. I think they make a statement today against Oregon. Well, I think another good game to watch, uh, and that's on ABC this evening, and that's uh, number eleven Michigan State at Washington. Uh, the Huskies lead the Pac-12 in passing, and the Spartans' pass defense was. Uh, was it our, our Achilles, Achilles heel last year, uh, despite the win over Pittsburgh in the Peach Bowl? Uh, we know a lot about both teams, but after what should be a fun atmosphere inside Husky Stadium, I'd like uh, Washington to get a surprise win over Michigan State. You know, I actually do too. Um, we have seen so far in both college football and in the NFL these games where you're going across country and playing on the road, everybody just doesn't – like, they're struggling. Uh, and and I, I think that could absolutely factor in. You know, they're playing the game um, at – I believe it's a night game out in Washington. Uh, yeah, 7.30 p.m. I guess it would be, be 4.30 p.m. Um, here um, on the on – the, or, or there on the West Coast. So it's not super-duper late, but it's still – that's a lot to go from Michigan all the way um, to the state of mm-hmm. Washington, and Washington right. is looking good. They're one of uh, the fact that they're two and zero and aren't even sniffing the top twenty-five is kind of ridiculous. When Oregon got absolutely like 
they 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 had like they got pillaged. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. Like, we're talking like Viking style destruction um, against against Georgia in Week One, but but Washington has looked good, and I don't know what to expect from from Michigan State. They returned their quarterback, um, but they, you know, Kenneth Walker was the engine for their offense, and he's playing with the Seattle Seahawks. So, will they have a good defense? Yes. Traditionally, so has Washington these last several years. I, I expect Washington to get the upset and make an appearance in the top twenty-five this next week, maybe around like the fourteen, fifteen spot. Well, let's uh, look at another good game that I think is is maybe not getting a lot of attention uh, nationally, but I like this Texas Tech, uh, Tech and North uh, Carolina State matchup. Uh, the over/under is fifty-six, but you know this is a game that I think you know Texas Tech needs this win. Obviously, in uh, North Carolina State, though they're they are a, this is a good matchup. This is a good matchup uh, for a lot of reasons. A win from either one of them are going to make a good statement in 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 uh, the college football world. Yeah, you know, I, I, especially like what we're seeing is a lot of these programs that would be you would consider like a mid level program, the North Carolina States, the South Carolinas, the Arkansas. They're scheduling these non-conferences against other mid, like, comparable teams from other conferences. And if they can pick up the win, it's a huge boost for their fan base. But it's also been big for the recruiting trail. I think if there's one thing that we've seen across college football is that the, the transfer portal and the NIL are adding so much parity across, uh, across the college football landscape that – you know, if, if a team can get hot and get on a roll, we'll see how they do. For me, the team that I'm watching in, the, in this particular game of the two the most is NC State. I'm curious to see what ACC team has the goods to potentially match up against Clemson. Because I don't think – th- this isn't one of those Clemson powerhouses like we've seen in the past with Watson or with Lawrence under center. Um, I think they're vulnerable – but is there a is there a team in the conference that can take advantage of that vulnerability? And I'm curious to see how well NC State performs to see if they could be that team. Because North Carolina hasn't looked great. Pitt looks not good. Um, it, so mm-hmm. there's opportunity there. I just don't know if there's an ACC team that's going to be able to take advantage of it. And, and today will be a good test for that. Well, as you mentioned and alluded to earlier, Jimbo's uh, seat's getting a little bit warm. And it's really going to heat up with Miami, no pun intended, number 13 Miami at number 24 Texas A&M. Like I said, this game has already got all kinds of intrigue due to the desperation from the Aggies after losing to Appalachian State last week, as we talked about earlier. And and really a statement could be made about the Hurricanes with a win in in SEC country that Jimbo Fisher has reported – uh, reportedly made a quarterback change from Haynes King to Max Johnson, which cranks the interest up even more. Miami's Hurricanes tough team to beat, but I think if there is a must-win early on in the season, at least for Jimbo Fisher, they're not going to fire him now, but he's going to start feeling that hot plate heating up under his arse if if they fall to Miami yeah, today. Yeah, absolutely. You know. They made the quarterback change. Max Johnson, I believe, at one point was a five. He was a, a five-star recruited quarterback at one point. I don't know where he finished, but he's a, he was a highly 
ranks recruit. They had Texas A&M utilize the NIL to their full advantage, and, and it felt like they got every five-star late in the cycle this last year. Um, but then they lose to App State. You know, so it's how, how, how much were they able to do that? Uh, Miami has a quarterback that a lot of people are really high on, Tyler Van Dyke. I am not one of those people. I think he's, he's okay. But this is the thing is, is that who is going to get the big early season W? Is it going to be Jimbo getting his season back on track? Or is this the game that Mario Cristobal is able to pull out with his new regime down there in Miami um, to help try to say Miami's back? You know, they've said every year they'll have a game that they go in and they're Miami's back and then they proceed to lose like three or four. Um, but Mario Cristobal <laughs> is a coach of a different level than they've had there in years. Um, so I, I tend to think right now, I, I think early in the season, I was looking Texas A&M. Um, after their performance last week, I think Texas A&M is going to play angry. Um, I Texas A&M wins, but it's an impressive enough game that Miami is still also able to kind of say, like, look, we are, we are trending in the right direction. Um, I, I wonder how much Texas A&M lost to Appalachian State because they were looking ahead to this week at Miami. Um, we know that happens, especially with young teams. So, but I, I expect A&M to pick up the win. But, again, similar to what we said earlier with Oklahoma and Nebraska, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, uh, if Miami um, pulled the win out. And it's weird because, for me, it would feel like an upset, even though Miami is a higher-ranked team just because Miami has lost essentially all of these big rank matchups <laughs> for like a decade. We're talking with Adam Jividan, our partner in crime on college football, uh, super Buckeye fan, super duper duper Cavs fan, super Browns fan, and all around just great guy. Let's take a chance real quickly here while we still got you on with us to just kind of walk around this week on some of the viral stories that happened. Like one of the biggest fun stories, do we want to call it fun or just straight up ludicrousy, if that's a word. Did you see the story where Texas Longhorn spent nearly $280,000 during an Arch Manning's official visit? Obviously, that's the nephew of uh, Eli and Peyton uh, Manning, uh, this, uh, the son of the who everybody thought was going to be the greatest Manning of them all to play. Arch, obviously, named after his grandpa, Archie. So, you know, uh, all fitting. We're talking about royalty this week and with England. We might as well talk about royalty in the NFL. Uh, I mean, recruiting is an expensive business. Don't get me wrong. They, they Teams go all, all out for the ones that are trying to wine and dine. And, and he wasn't the only one, okay? He was just the most notable one. Uh, but they spent several thousand dollars Um According to a report, 630,000 through two recruiting weekends. One of those weekends was June 17th through the 19th when nine recruits, including Manning, were in Austin. That visit gave them a true taste of lavish life with Longhorn spending nearly $280,000 for those uh, three days. So they spent $46,000 for 34 hotel rooms for the athletes and their families and some of the Texas staff. The athletes were greeted with uh, uh, – lavish cakes and gifts and well, 
refreshment. Uh, the first night, the recruits and their families got treated to a meal that came out to $29,129.40, to be exact, is the bill. Do they want Arch Manning? Or, hey, is Arch Manning saying, hey, you're going to give me this stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it. But I'm, I'm going to go to one of my SEC family royalty teams, maybe Tennessee or maybe. Well, I mean, he committed uh, there, so it worked. Oh, he did commit? I didn't hear that he had actually made the commitment. Commit. Okay. Yeah, he did commit to Texas. So, I mean, I'm not surprised because, again, you're talking for, for a school like Texas, they've been trying to get back on the college football map since Vince Young left. And especially now that the NIL is in place that has, you know, essentially no rules behind it right now. It should and it will at some point. Um, you know, teams are spending money hand over fist you know, to impress these 18-year-olds. Do I think that Arch is this second coming of, you know, like football Jesus? Uh, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> do I think he's anything like touchdown Jesus? Is that anything like touchdown Jesus? If you ask some, some, some recruiting analysts, they say he's the best 18-year-old to ever lace him up, essentially. And I, I, don't, I don't think that. I, I've watched him. He hasn't gone to camp. Um, I've watched some of his some of his film against uh, other teams in Texas where they have lost and he hasn't looked great. Um, I've watched games where he wins and he does, but he looks good, but I don't know. You know, I, I saw the report and I just kind of was like, all right, this is, this is the new landscape of college football, at least for the, again, the time being, I think within the next season or two, there's going to be some um, uniformity around how, NIL spending is allowed to happen. Um, but while it's unregulated, you know what? If that's what it takes, cool. Um, Ohio State, uh, we got our five-star quarterback and Dylan Riola, who's the number one 2024 quarterback. Um, and I, I know for his visit, I don't know how many, how much it was, but there was like a tweet with, with, uh, the Rayola family, um, Dominic, a former center for the Detroit Lions and their family, um, they're out in California, but they came to Ohio State, and there was a bunch of pictures of them at, at, a, at a rather pricey steakhouse there in the Columbus area. And, you know, I, I, I think everybody knew this. Was it to the tune of $280,000? No, but everybody's kind of – it's a kind of a slanted story because they didn't spend $280,000 on Arch Manning. They spent $280,000 on 10 recruits. Which, again, seems like a lot, but when you figure for these recruiting visits, it's not just the kid. It's the kid and their families and sometimes a coach or, like, that's – it's a lot of people. And, yes, like, are they spending money? But in – what is it? It's it's the old business saying, what, you got to spend money to make money. And our family is a name that will bring other recruits to yep. Texas with him. That's absolutely true, and we'll see. I mean, obviously, if it holds true to the rest of his family, uh, he certainly is going to be one of the greats. So, and I think I wonder how much that weight is is put on on him. Hey, did you hear this story with with Appalachian uh, about Appalachian State? The coach Sean Clark throughout the facility, in the weight room, in the uh, lockers, and in, in various different places, he uh, put. Uh, mousetraps that just basically, you know, don't take the cheese or whatever. In other words, don't get all caught up in the hype. 
and not know right. what's coming around the corner. I thought that was really clever. And uh, they were talking on, uh, I think it was uh, uh, one of their national shows. I can't remember which one it was, so I won't give them credit. But it was on one of them, and they were talking about the win. And he, he said, yeah, we put the mouse traps around there. And, you know, they had to come up with the mousetrap and say, oh, I got, I got nailed. So it, I think it's kind of clever. Um, I don't think anybody got hurt or anything like that, but I thought, it, hey, I, you know, I, hey, I would hope not. <laughs> don't let your guard down. Don't let yeah, your guard I mean, I, down. I, I, I love when the coaches at these places, when they have a big defining win and they are pushing their teams even harder to not have a collapse, not have a letdown. Um, because you can have a, a phenomenal win early in the season against a highly ranked team, but then if you, you know, the old statement is read your press clippings and you lose the next two games, that big win is kind of irrelevant. So, I, you know, I'm all for it. I love those kind of, like, tactics. I don't know there's <laughs> where Sean rolled into the locker room with, like, a million dollars in cash in a wheelbarrow and said, yeah. if we win the Super Bowl, this is, this is what you all get. It's a part of your bonus structure. Um, like, stuff like that. I love those kind of stories. I do, too. Um, so, yeah, no, I think it's great. Before we let you go, I know we're kind of overtime with you, but uh, the other around the uh, viral world in the college football is Josh Tennessee coach Josh Hupel, Hippel, Hupel, uh, got Hypel. a contract extension. Hypel, okay. Tennessee yep. coach Hypel. It's Melissa's team. Uh, she's a Tennessee uh, person. So, Five million dollar raise, a five million dollar raise. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good raise. He's nine and six in just a little over a year, and leading the Volunteers. They've got Akron at home uh, this weekend. I don't see any big shockers there. So Tennessee's going to get a win there against Akron. So they're they're starting off pretty good. Tennessee is a, one of those teams that we're talking about early, uh, and I'm not just saying this is Melissa's team, but we're talking about it early, but. They have the the capability of, of getting close to the playoffs and certainly get into a a one of the top five New Year's Day bowls. I mean, they could. Tennessee like inexplicably loses a bad game or two every year. Uh, Heupel is probably the best coach that they've had there in in a while, so it would make sense that they're trying to lock him up. Um, he's definitely better than than Butch Jones. Um, and some of the other guys they've had in. Um, and it still gives them – He's. it sounded like a big extension, but he's still like the 11th highest paid coach in the entire SEC. So he's still not in that upper echelon of, of coaching. It doesn't essentially like uh, really hurt Tennessee to do that, and it helps provide, you know, just, just some comfort – um, not only to the head coach, but also the recruits who are, you know, trying to commit to that head coach. I think it was a good move, smart move, um, for a coach that I think is a good, young, up-and-coming coach. All right, Adam Jibbanan, super Browns fans, super-duper-duper Cavs fans, super uh, Ohio State fan. We appreciate you joining us. Any final words of wisdom, sir, before we let you get on down the road? I, you know, just enjoy uh, the last week of, of non-conference play um, as we are, you know, steamrolling towards uh, October where both the NFL and college football just really gets into the meat of the schedule. 
Um, so, yeah, just spend time to enjoy it. I, I think there's one thing that I've noticed is how many fans just – it's like you can't enjoy teams anymore unless they're absolutely dominant. And most teams mm-hmm. aren't going to look dominant every week. So just, you know, sit back and enjoy the ride. Maybe just, like, chill out for a little bit. So enjoy the weekend. If your team plays well, give them props. Even if it wasn't how you hoped, just be happy for a W, guys. That's all I got to say. Let me ask you this, though, real quickly. If Ohio State gets an L, are you going to have that same attitude? <laughs> you know, we got an L. I'm very, very disappointed. Um, what I learned, right, learned my whole weekend? No. <laughs> but anyway, okay. you guys have a good weekend. We'll see you, buddy. All right. Adam Jevedin, super duper, duper Cavs fan. Super Browns fan, Super Ohio State Buckeyes fan, and our uh, official uh, college football partner in crime. Appreciate you. We'll be right back. We're going to get into some NASCAR playoffs in Bristol, right around the corner, right here on the Balance Radio Network. Look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see it clearer, or are you deceived? And what you believe? I'm only human after all And you're only human after all Don't put the blame on me Don't put your blame on me Some people got the real problems Some people out of love Some people think I can solve them Lord, heaven's above I'm only human after all The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. 
GEICO makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on GEICO.com or the GEICO mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. No, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language... Oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more unbelievable Geico video.
welcome back to the balance. Of course, that's uh, Steve Wilson's walk-up song. He's not quite with us yet, but so he's not quite walked on yet. Uh, but anyway, Steve Wilson, uh, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, scheduled to join us here in just a moment. Thank you, uh, Ed Gratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com for joining us uh, and talking about the NFL. Certainly big win for the Philadelphia Eagles over the Detroit Lions last week. Uh, and they've got the Washington Commanders, so we'll see what happens there again at home. Great uh, crowd there for the Detroit Lions fans. If you're a Detroit Lions fan, maybe you're you're still happy even without the loss. You could be worse. You could be a Colts fan like myself and have, had to have a whole week of, of just – uh, diarrhea of the mouth from local media. I mean, it, it's 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 hard to to get behind your team and not have that knee jerk reaction. It's going to be really hard going into um, Jacksonville with the Colts. They're going to have to have a score to settle. If we remember last year, uh, Carson Wentz was the uh, quarterback, and we went in to lose to the worst team in the NFL. And uh, the only thing that we did for them was to not get them the first round pick and it got kept us out of the playoffs we shouldn't have been in that situation to begin with and then last week I mean with the with the Houston Texans it was just one thing after another and really disappointed with the performance of Matt Ryan and uh, Blankenship obviously the kicker got released uh he, he had to be the fall guy but they should have never been in that that position to begin with also Adam Jividen Super duper duper. We added the duper today. Uh, Cavs fan, super Browns fan, uh, Buckeye fan, and our college football partner in crime breaking breaking down. Of course, Ohio State Toledo game. You know Toledo is probably one of the best teams in the MAC. And um, and then uh, we talked about some of the other games. Certainly, uh, first game after Scott Frost being fired with Nebraska. But it is time to move on. Uh, to probably one of the most exciting events this weekend, and that's uh, that's Bristol. We're going to have to replay this. I am sorry, but we're going to have to do it. All right, and that, of course, is the walk-up song for our next uh, king, if you will, Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest and our official NASCAR contributor. It's playoff times. We're in Bristol. How are you, sir? Doing well. How about yourself? Good. Are you in actually in Bristol this weekend? Yes, I'm right outside the track. Nice. That's got to be one of them. That's on, that and in Talladega, are in Richmond, are are three of my top uh, bucket list uh, tracks to go to. I say every year I'm going to get to at least one of them. I promise next year I'm going to do that. Bristol is a great track, I and mean, I tell you what, uh, Noah, wow, another win for Noah uh, in the Xfinity Series. I, I like Noah. I don't like Noah. I like Noah. I don't like Noah, but certainly he's a fun 
driver to watch and be a fan of. Real quickly, talk with us a little bit about Bristol and the history about Bristol. It's one of the oldest tracks in the in the NASCAR circuit. Um, talk with us a little bit about Bristol. What makes it so intriguing? There's so many things about the history of the track, and there's so many things around Bristol that just makes it a track that, you know, attracts the calamity that we root for, the chaos that we root for. Now we've got this new uh, gen car who's had its own issues. But all that aside, let's talk about uh, Bristol and the and, and what it's all about and what makes it so special. Yeah, this place has been here since the 60s. It's seen a couple of deformations over its time. And, uh, you know, they, we've seen different variable bankings here. We've seen asphalt here. We've seen uh, concrete here. You know, this place ultimately just comes down to the fact that this is just one of those good old-fashioned Friday and Saturday night short tracks, beating and banging, moving people out of the way. Calamity happens. You know, tempers flare. You know, we saw this, you know, last night. You talked about Noah Grayson last night. You know, he ruffled a few feathers in people last night when he got into the back of Ty Gibbs both putting Ty Gibbs and Sheldon Creed out of the event last night and then went on to win this thing for his third victory in a row and sixth of the season. So, you know, that, that you know, you know, I have to give it to both uh, Ty Gibbs and uh, 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 Sheldon Creed last night. They uh, gave interviews, but they declined to uh, push the matter any further. So, you know, whether that means they're going to bottle this thing up and wait until the next one. And, you know, we also have uh, – uh, the Xfinity Series getting ready to come up here in a couple of weeks, um, the week before uh, Phoenix, and, uh, you know, that, that'll be a cutoff race, and that'll be at Martinsville, not a little half-mile full ring. But, you know, maybe maybe they're waiting for that payback here in a couple of weeks. But, you know, Bristol is just, you know, one of those racetracks, once again, that, you know, a lot of us grew up going to on Fridays and Saturday nights, and that's just why so many people come here. Well, I tell you what, it's an exciting track, and I like to watch them under under the lights, and so it's really a, a fun track to uh, to watch. Let's talk a little bit about the playoff standings in the X, in the Xfinity Series. Um, so certainly, Noah Gregson is is really poised to, to if he keeps going in the rate that he's going, he's certainly the leader in points, uh, followed by Ty Gibbs, Justin Allgaier, A.J. Allmendinger, uh, Josh Berry, Austin Hill, Brandon Jones, Jeremy Clint, Sam Mayer, Daniel Hemrick, and Riley Herbst, and uh, Ryan Sieg. And certainly the dominating car is Chevy. Uh, this is Noah. You look at Noah's um, uh, win, and of course, fitting so, uh, Bass Pro is the the sponsor of the race, but uh, man, uh, you got to look at Noah Gregson as the real deal for the championship in the Xfinity Series this year. Yeah, like I said, you know this was his third in a row, sixth overall of the season, and you know it's uh, you know this this could have you know been a little bit different last night too. Uh, going back and talking about AJ Allmendinger, who won the regular season championship last night before heading into the playoffs for, for Almond Digger. He had a transmission issue earlier in the, the race and uh, almost stacked the field up. But finally, I think they got that fixed and unstuck the transmission out of that, uh, giving him uh, a good finishing, uh, good good stage points in both stage one stage two last night, giving him enough to take home that uh, that regular season championship. But, you know, 
for Noah Gregson. This is his last year uh, full-time in the Xfinity Series. He's going to move over to the Cup Series. He's been running some races already this year mm-hmm. for uh, a couple of different teams. But, you know, he, he's going to give up that number nine car for next year. And, you know, he's trying to take it out with a bang and trying to win the championship this year. He looks to be the favorite at this moment. But, you, you know, you can't count out, once again, A.J. Allmendinger. He's, he's going to – there's a road course coming up at the Louisville in Charlotte just in uh, a couple of weeks. Uh, so, you know, you have you have a potential that he's going to win there. Um, Justin Allgaier has got some good tracks coming up for him. So you you know we have a pretty stacked field right up there at the beginning. Unfortunately, you know they you know eh, we've got some drivers that you know Jeremy Clemens was able to win at, at uh, Daytona uh, a few weeks back. Uh, you know eventually they thought that uh, that car well originally the car was deemed illegal in post race inspection, but they were able to appeal that and and get their win to lock themselves into the playoffs. Now you know Clemens and another guy uh, Ryan Sieg. Those two are family-owned teams. They're at the bottom of those lists, and, and they've been able to work themselves, you know, even via wins or by good finishes week after week into these playoffs. But, you know, uh, they could play a spoiler in this. We've already seen that in the Cup Series in the last two weeks. So, you know, there are potentials that spoilers could come into this, and, and we see another Jeremy Clemens or Ryan Steig take on the victory and be able to move on in this playoffs. Well, as we just talked about, AJ Allmendinger clinches his regular uh, clinches regular season champion in the X- Xfinity Series, uh, the regular season champion, I should say, uh, as we like to call him around here, the Dinger, uh, it secured his uh, regular season championship for the second straight year. Real deal. I mean, I like him a lot. I, I really do like him. Do you think that he? I, I think it's going to be a stretch, uh, but. Uh, I, I think he's still in the run for, you know, I know he's number four in points, but I mean, a lot can happen over the next few weeks. Is there, is, is there a, a, a window for AJ Allmendinger or the Dinger to get um, the uh, championship, the Xfinity championship? Well, I mean, just just look at some of the things that he's done since he came back. And, I mean, he he, walked, he he left racing for a while and has come back to the Xfinity Series, and he seems to have found uh, a lot of success there. Uh, you know, he, he won right up there in Indy. You know, you, you, you've seen him win there in the past. You've seen him win other mm-hmm. places in the past. Um, you know, as I just talked about, you have the Rovers coming up in two weeks, and these are right in his wheelhouse. And I think, you know, when you look back at, you know, just his success at some of these tracks, especially his open wheel and road course racing, um, you know, where he's, he's been very successful at in the past. And these, these, are, these are tracks that will have the potential for him to move on and get, stay above that cut line moving on and potentially even getting as far as Phoenix into this thing. Um, you know, I think he struggles in some places on some of these ovals. He's getting better, obviously, uh, you know, as time goes on in these Xfinity Series cars. But, you know, you know, for a guy that, uh, you know, had, you know, didn't seem to really catch on a whole lot in, cup, in the Cup Series, he's really found that groove here in the Xfinity Series, and it's really bode very well for him. Paul Grayson is putting together very good cars for them. Um, you see also Daniel Hammock from that stable there. 
So, you know, he's got the equipment behind him, and I think there are contracts coming up that will give him that potential to move on. So we talk about calamity at Bristol. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And I think yesterday we saw, or last night, we saw uh, that calamity uh, with Creed and Gibbs after a contact, Southern Creed and Ty Gibbs, uh, had a, a, you want to say, like, it, it sounds better, you want to say awesome crash, like it was an awesome crash that, you know, you, you, you see at Bristol. Glad nobody was hurt. But I think this did more damage for Ty Gibbs than it did Sheldon Creed. Um, yeah, because, I mean, he he um, he was leading uh, all – he led every lap in the first stage last night. And, you know, the, the, they were working a little bit of pit strategy in which they were going to pit one time and make it to the end. Uh, providing there was going to be no more cautions. And I think that was their strategy going into this thing, especially after leading every lap in the first stage where they felt like that they could, uh, you know, work themselves from the back up. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, Noah Gregson got a little bit rough on him. Uh, You know, know, blocking comes into place here just like it does at Talladega and Daytona where, you know, you, you don't have very many opportunities to get by people, so you're blocking very, very hard in many cases around this, you know, speedway. You're you're turning laps here at like but it's sub 16, 15 seconds or so. So there's not a lot of time again, and, and you know, some of the, one of the only ways here to get around people, especially if they're blocking you, is you've got to get into the bumper and you've got to move them out of the way. Uh, you know, Daryl Waltrip, Daryl Earnhardt Sr. and others were so good at this at places like this. You know, it, it, it earned them nicknames around this place, you know, for how rough that they could be about getting around people. And, you know, Noah Gregson has not had, you know, the favorability this season when it comes to getting into people and then wrecking them out. Um, you know, this has been a constant thing throughout the season. I, I'm, I'm not saying he's a bad guy at all. It's just I think that he's uh, – you know, when it comes to this, he needs to hone his craft and skill a little bit more to where he's not wrecking people, and maybe he will have that favorability out there. But for Ty Gibbs, yeah, he's down a little bit into this, but, you know, Joe Gibbs racing, and, you know, he's ultimately probably going to take over that number 18 next year. So, you know, he's racing for his sponsors. He's racing for Monster, and he wants to be able to put more wins up on the board and, and potentially take home that championship as he transitions over to, you know, Joe Gibbs racing, you know, while that's not confirmed, and I'm not trying to confirm that, I, you know, that, that that's all likelihood where all the pointers are showing that he's going to take that over. So, you know, he's racing for, you know, to, to prove himself. And, and, and he's also been taking, he's been taking over the 23XI car mm-hmm. uh, for, for Kurt Busch. So, you know, he, he's, he's, he's showing everybody that he can, go out there and, and race hard, but, but also not um, be the person putting people in the wall or getting them in wrecks, and that he can race people clean. Regardless of whether he finishes second, third, or fourth into this, I think he's got a lot to be proud of over the last couple of seasons in the Xfinity Series because he really has proved himself right off the bat. Well, certainly we go into Bristol. Let's move over to the uh, the Cup Series, and let's talk a little bit uh, about uh, Bristol. Uh, what can we expect to see there at Bristol? Uh, who will face elimination there at, at Bristol uh, in your mind and your thought? Uh, just uh, curious on, on who's got the most to lose at Bristol uh, tonight. I said tomorrow, but I meant tonight. <laughs> I'm used to them play, racing on Sunday. 
Well, I think it really just comes down to Kyle Busch and uh, Kevin Harvick. These mm-hmm. two guys have had dismal last two weeks. Uh, Harvick car fire, you know, and then uh, at Kansas last week, he was involved in somebody else's incident. These are two, these are two, uh, you know, really dismal weeks for him. He's at the bottom of the list, the last in the cutoff. And, I mean, he's got a pull an Austin Dillon type situation where he's, you know, in the ninth inning last up to bat, able to pull off a home run. Um, you know, that's, that's how Austin Dillon was able to make himself into the playoffs this year, get himself into the playoffs this year. It's hurt even more both Kyle Bush and Kevin Harvick because we've had two non-winners uh, with uh, Eric Jones at Darlington and Bubba Wallace last week at Kansas. Uh, these are two mm-hmm. playoff drivers. These are two slots that have already been taken up uh, or have not been uh, been available to drivers to lock themselves in. So he doesn't. these two drivers don't really have the, the options of points racing and being able to put stage points up or even going, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for, for wins. They, they have to win. They're, they're in a must-win situation at this point. So I feel like these are two people – that we're going to see throw it all, put it all on the line. Kyle act leading driver there. He's uh, here at Bristol. He's won eight times here. Kevin Harvick has won twice. Mm-hmm. This is recently. It's during the pandemic. So these drivers, these, these two can win, but they've just got to, you know, last up at bat, make a home run, and get it out of the park. Talking with Steve Wilson. Of uh, Speedway Digest, our official uh, NASCAR contributor, and he's uh, the editor in chief of Speedway Digest. We talked about this earlier in the show. We made again an announcement on social media, uh, and it's coming soon. And that's the new website. Just so stand by, and we're going to get all the announcements up that when that's ready to go. And hopefully, here in the very near future, we're going to be able to sell some uh, T-shirts and bobbleheads. So maybe we can get Steve Wilson a, a bobblehead to sell. We've got a, a T-shirt that we think we're going to get up there uh, talking about uh, the team from up north, from Ohio State fans, called Respect the Woody. So we're going to make that a T-shirt and make that uh, part of the balance stuff that you can buy on, on Ecom. And special thanks to you, Steve, because you have been working behind the scenes with us on this, and I appreciate your knowledge and your expertise on making this website a success and and being a vital uh, part of it in the background. So I want to make sure that you got credit for that uh, as well. Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, joining us for talking to the playoffs post-Kansas, Bristol. Steve is out of Bristol. Uh, I'm gonna, I want to get through all these because I know last week, for some odd reason, when we went into overtime, we lost you. So at least if we go into overtime and we lose you, then – We've covered everything we wanted to cover. I don't know what happened last week, but if we have to go in overtime, hopefully we don't lose you. I've rambled it up. Just hot hot seat things here. We're just going to go through these uh, playoff standings post-Kansas, pre-Bristol, obviously. Let's talk about number 20, Christopher Bell. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Christopher Bell, I mean, he's locked himself into this, um, just being able to have good finishes over the last couple of weeks. Um, You know, going in tonight, he's, you know, He's the only one that's locked in. And, you know, he can take this a little bit more conservatively tonight. Uh, yes, he needs points. Yes, he needs stage points. Yes, it would be great if he could get a win and be the first playoff driver in this first round to be able to uh, lock himself in uh, or get himself some extra points via that win. But, you know, it, you know, for him, he has the luxury of going out there and being a little bit conservative tonight. And, it, and if I were them, I would play it a little bit conservatively because mm-hmm. you have – you know, 15 other drivers out there that are not locked in. And there's one slot potentially if we don't have another upset and have 
three different non-playoff drivers in into this thing. So I can see, you know, there's going to get mad and maddening tonight, and there's going to be some craziness that's going to go on. So I think for him, he's in a good position at this moment. Play a little bit conservatively and then be able to go out there and, and reset themselves going to the Texas next week. Chase Elliott, uh, Chevy number nine, uh, Chase Elliott, uh, uh, what, are, what are our thoughts on him? He's certainly uh, one to watch every year. We, we get excited about Chase Elliott. I like him. I'm actually a fan of his on, on the personal level. But the number nine, Chase Elliott, uh, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I, you know, I think with Chase, you know, once again, he's, you know, he, he's got Hendrick behind him. He's former champion into this already um, two years ago. His his teammate Kyle Larson last year took home the championship. So for him, you know, he he's he's just, you know, we we've seen him become the road course king in a lot of places, uh, or in mm-hmm. a lot of instances. Is that uh, he seems to have uh, really honed a craft to go to some of these road courses and worlds to be able to just take home wins and take home stage points. And you know, while you know some of the some of these races like Bristol haven't always gone his way, I, I think you know through his wins at the you know earlier in the season, I think he's in a good position at this moment. Um, you know, stage points once again don't hurt anybody if you can get up there and get grab some of those stage points. Only doesn't hurt, but um, you know, I, I I think you know once again you you've got a driver that's become uh, you know. And we talk about this a lot now because drivers have to be so different in the way that they drive. And they have to be, you know, with nearly one-third of the schedule now on road courses, um, you know, there's just drivers out there that have figured this thing out, and there's just drivers out there that just haven't. And Chase Elliott has just been that driver that has figured those races out. And once again, you've got two weeks from now, you've got the road So you know, look out for him in the roses. So I want to pause here a minute and just make sure that we talk about Kyle Busch and the number 18 Toyota. Obviously, last year with Joe Gibbs Racing, going over to RCR, and uh, he's going to step into the number eight car, uh, which, uh, you know, is a, is a pretty big number. Obviously, with Richard Childress uh, in the number eight Chevrolet, uh, currently driven by Tyler Reddick. Um, no surprises there. Uh, I mean, I guess that leaves Reddick, who's earned his first uh, uh, two NASCAR Cup Series victories in the year, in a unique position of not knowing what his 2023 season looks like. Right now, all he knows is that he will presumably be back at Richard Childress Racing RCR as part of the, the, the third charter team. So if you're Tyler Reddick, you're kind of like, well, Kyle, thanks for pushing me out of the way. Uh, but I guess uh, Kyle's earned his right. And, and, and we were talking about this. Last night, Melissa and I, here's the thing. Uh, Kyle has earned the right to say, this is what I want. I mean, he's one of the best drivers around. He's earned the right to say, hey, this is what I want. More importantly, he's earned the right for Joe Gibbs to give him what he wants. And for them to say, okay, we're not going to renew you. And then just immediately RCR says, we'll give you what you want, no problem. So the decision was relatively easy for RCR and, 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 and Kyle Busch. I just wonder about the thought press process between Joe Gibbs racing and allowing this to happen. Uh, I know that's a lot to digest in, in the few minutes that we have left here. Uh, but now he's also got to focus on winning the championship. How does that, how does that feel? How does that come? Hey, I win a championship for you. 
see you. Stay La Vie is headed over to RCR. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, you kind of saw this a little bit in uh, Daniel Hemrick when he won the championship for JGR and then failed and went over to call it racing. That granted, he had already uh, made those announcements that before he, you know, long before, you know, he won the championship in the Xfinity Series and then went over there to call it racing. But, you know, Joe G- let's just let's just not even let's think, think about this. Joe Gibbs Racing isn't only losing Kyle Busch. They're also losing Brandon Jones, too, in the Xfinity Series. So Toyota is letting two drivers walk away from one of the most powerful organizations that there is out there right now and allowing them to go somewhere else. Um, we talked about, like I said, you know, Noah Gregson would not be in that number nine car next year in the Xfinity Series. Well, that's where Brandon Jones is going to go. But then you talked about RCR, who has uh, – you know, they struggle. You know, there's no secret that, you know, they've gone from a powerhouse team to a mid-level team. And by bringing Kyle Busch back on uh, or bringing Kyle Busch on, um, they are trying to set themselves back on a path of winning, winning races and winning championships again. You know, Kyle, you know uh, Austin Dillon has won this year and, and, and Tyler Reddick has won twice this year. So that organization isn't winless at all by any means. But when you look mm-hmm. at their stats over the years, they've definitely gone down in the number of wins, and, and you know that can be pretty. That can be contributed to to you know going back to Dale Earnhardt's season. They haven't won a championship since then, and they've really been you know kind of that mid-level team trying to find somebody to replace him over the years. First it was Kevin Harvick, and he did an excellent job in that uh, that car for them. But then he moved over to Stuart Haas Racing. So. You know, they're looking for proven champions. They're looking for proven winners. And Kyle Busch is that proven winner. He's won 60 races over there with Joe Gibbs Racing as an organization. He's won multiple championships with them as an organization. And I just really honestly get the feeling that just Toyota didn't try. They, you know, RCR is already fielding phone calls at this moment, and they've already said that they've got a lot of interest between Kyle Busch taking over that number eight car with sponsors they already have and new sponsors that want to come in and sponsor him. So when mm-hmm. when the M&M said that they were gone from the sport at the end of this year, I just kind of felt like the longer these negotiations continued to drag on, the more it just felt like that Toyota and Joe Gibbs Racing just kind of gave up on trying to replace anybody. They felt like with Ty Gibbs, and I, and I feel like with Ty Gibbs, try and go out there and do too much work when you can just bring somebody up that already has the sponsorship already in touch. Um, not to say that they just totally gave up, but they didn't try at all because there were negotiations going on. But I just feel like they were just, you know, uh, they they weren't they could they weren't as good as they could be. I, and I just feel like they just didn't go out there and pursue some opportunities or or look for opportunities to keep him in that car. Because it's kind of crazy that a driver like that has won multiple championships, yeah. sixty races with your organization. You let them take not only mm-hmm. so, hey, Steve, them as a I'm driver. Gonna, I'm gonna, Steve, I, I'm going to pause you just real quickly. We're about to go into overtime, so if, we're, if, if we'll lose our affiliates. I also want to keep Steve on. So I just want you to know in about 30 seconds we're going into overtime, so which is fine. Hopefully we can keep Steve on. Uh, if not, that's what's happened, and, and uh, you can catch the rest of it on the podcast. Hopefully we can get into overtime. Go ahead, Steve. I did not mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to make sure we covered that disclaimer real quick. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, not only are they losing Dial Bush as a Cup Series driver, they're also losing KBM as an organization, which has been fielding. Toyota drivers for the last 
decade or more. They've been bringing drivers up from the lower ranks and the lower series, and you look at the litany of drivers that have come to the KBM organization over Kyle Busch's ownership. So they're going to lose that organization too because that organization is now going to be under the Chevrolet banner, which is now going to take, be able to take advantage of some of the things that Kyle Busch has been doing, most arguably putting him in a truck to continue being able to bring drivers up and bring sponsorship in. So that's a huge loss for Toyota. They're now going to have to find another organization out there and partner with another organization to continue bringing drivers up into the truck, Xfinity, and Cup Series because that's really been an opening. You think of, you know, uh, Eric Jones. Eric Jones has won the Southern 500 twice, including just a couple of weeks ago. He was part of that Kyle Busch Motorsports organization of Mm -hmm. bringing him up through the ranks up into the Cup Series like he is today and now racing in the famous number 43. And, I mean, there's other drivers out there, too. He's by no means like the end-all, be-all, but that's a huge loss and a huge hole and gap for, for Toyota that now has to rebuild an organization from the ground up or partner with somebody to be able to continue bringing Toyota branded drivers into the sport. So I'm glad we got you into overtime. Thank you. Uh, I was afraid that we were going to lose you, but we didn't. So we are in overtime now. Uh, So uh, everything now is on the podcast. We won't keep you much longer. We usually go into about five or ten minutes into overtime. So it won't be long at all. But while we're talking about Joe Gibbs racing, you wonder, let's put on our tinfoil hat here. Okay, let's just let Kyle go because we've got an opportunity for uh, our grandson by the name of Ty Gibbs. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's part of it. I don't know if that's going to happen, but what are your thoughts? No, I, I, I feel like that's the direction in which they are moving. And that, like I said, he, he has sponsorship with Monster already. He's already committed to them, and they, they are committed to Ty Gibbs. And Ty, last night after he wrecked out, thanks Monster for all that they've done for him. So I feel like the stars are aligning in which they can mm-hmm. move Ty Gibbs up into that number 18 car and bring that Monster sponsorship along with them, as well as that lessens the deficit on what they have to look for throughout the rest of the season. So, again, this isn't confirmed, but I feel like that is the direction in which they are moving. So we're just going to go through these here on this kind of a hot seat, and we'll kind of do kind of like three at a time and just kind of give me a recap on on any of them. If you don't have any, that's fine. But let's look at William Bryan, Kyle Larson, who is also talking about contract negotiations and or has already got him. It's done. Uh, and then, of course, Austin Dillon as well, the other uh, Dillon in, in the mix of a, of a few Dillons. But go ahead. Uh, William Byron, Kyle Larson, and Austin Dillon. Yeah, Wayne Byron won earlier this season in Atlanta. Uh, you know, that, that that was a good win for him, good win for the organization as a whole. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't see him going all the way to Phoenix. I see him at least making it to this cut and potentially to the round of the eight. Um, talking about Kyle Larson, uh, Kyle Larson is now signed through 2026 with an injured organization. So, you know, they've got him locked into a long-term deal. They believe in him, and they believe in him so much that they're going to put their own name and their own money behind him to continue being in that series with Hendrick Cars. Um, yes, there'll be some other sponsors that come in and trickle throughout of it, but you know they feel and believe in him enough to put their own name on the car. 
Uh, Austin Dillon, uh, like I said, he, he had that walk-off kind of home run, ninth inning, last up to bat at Daytona, which was able to get him into these championship uh, playoffs. Uh, unfortunately for him, I, I, I see him maybe making it through this, but not through round 12. Denny Hamlin, Ross Chastain, and Chase Briscoe. Uh, Chase Briscoe, another one. He, he's uh, way down there in the points. That's going to struggle, even though that he's won this year. Um, it's going to be a struggle for him to even make it out of this at this moment. Danny Hamlin, I mean, he's, uh, I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about a guy that, you know, is able to come into these races like Bristol here and Martinsville in the fall and get himself locked in. So look at him over the next couple of weeks. I can see him potentially being one of the ones, or one of the four that goes to Phoenix. Uh, who was the other one? Ross Chastain, I think you said? Ross Chastain, yeah. Okay, Ross Chastain. Well, um, I mean, he's kind of been the Noah Gregson of the Cup Series this year. He's ruffled a lot of feathers. Um, you know, he talked about this a little bit yesterday in the media center where, you know, uh, he, he's aware of everything going on around him because he has to be. Uh, he feels like, you know, that there there is some potential there for people to get back at him. Um, and maybe there is. Maybe there's a few people lying in wait out there. I think Kevin Harvick is one of the drivers that said that, you know, they, they're not exactly particularly happy with the way that he's raced him. So this is a weekend in which he, if Kevin Harvick isn't going to be in the playoffs, then maybe he can help somebody else not join him along in that journey. So, um, you know, he's able to eke it out and work his way through this. Um, you know, I think you've, you've got a driver that is that blue-collar driver that has worked himself up and strapped his boots on and, and went to work week in and week out. Joey Logano, Daniel Suarez, and Kevin Harvick. Yeah, Kevin Harvick, I think, is out, whether unless he can win tonight. Um, Daniel Suarez has his NBA, his one win this year. I think he makes it to this round, but uh, struggles in the next. And... Uh, who was the third one? Uh, Kevin Harvick, Daniel Suarez, and Joey Logano. Joey Logano. There you go. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> as an organization, they're pretty <laughs> – yeah, I, I'm trying to go through these kind of rapid fire, so I'm kind of – Oh, I, I understand. Somebody. That's why I want anyway, you to uh, You're good. Yeah, uh, Joey Logano uh, has got the power of Penn strong. Um, yeah, looking for him to really make it pretty deep into this thing and potentially if he can make it through – um, you know, places like Talladega and, or, or, or even get to places like uh, Roval in uh, Texas next week, um, get himself a win and lock himself in, I, I think he'll be good. Um, I, I, I think he's going to be one of the four, um, but I'm going to kind of put him right on that bubble where fourth and fifth potentially. So final four here, and we'll just uh, wrap it up and put a bow on it. Ryan Blaney, Cly- uh, Tyler Reddick, and uh, Alex Bowman, and Austin Sendrick. Uh, Austin Sendrick, he, he, you know, he had the Daytona 500 win to, to, to kick the season off as a rookie out there. Be a shocked world doing that. Unfortunately, you know, his season hasn't gone exactly the way he, he wants it. I don't think he makes it out of this round either. Um, and Chase Briscoe, I, I think he's kind of in the same boat. He's, uh, you know, he, he struggled throughout the year, uh, but he's just, He's just not capable, I think. I don't think at this moment to make it through. I mean, he had a tough go along with that. Um, uh, who else did you say? <laughs> oh, Alex Bowman. Uh, uh, Alex Bowman, I think yeah, he Alex makes Bowman, it. Yeah, sorry. I think he makes it to the round. 
Yep, Alex Bowman, I think he makes it to the round of eight, but that's kind of where his playoff championship is. All right, Steve Wilson, Editor-in-Chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, helping us get up to speed, no pun intended, uh, for the big race tonight out in Bristol. Do not miss that race. This is one that you got. You should have circled a long time ago on your calendar to watch. I know uh, that we'll be watching it. Now, who's your DraftKings uh, $5 pick winner for uh, tonight's race, uh, Steve? Look, I'm 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 going with a guy that really needs a win tonight. He's won eight times here. I'm going to go with Kyle Busch. That he's going to he's going to be able to come from the very very back of the point standings and lock himself in with kind of that uh, ninth inning walk off grand slam. Love it. All right, Steve, we appreciate you, man, and you have yourself a good race weekend. Enjoy your time out there, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. You too. Talk soon. All right. Bye bye. Steve Wilson, Editor-in-Chief of SpeedwayDigest.com. Make sure you check them out. And then at, on Twitter, at Speedway Digest. Uh, Ed Kratz started off the show with us, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. And SI.com, our official NFL contributor, walked us around the NFL as we get ready for week two, as we say dose. And then uh, Adam Zividan, our official college football partner in crime and super duper duper, we added a duper today, uh, Cavs fan. <laughs> Super Browns fan and Super Ohio State Bucks fan. We walked around some of the important key games and stories in college football. And, of course, um, Steve Wilson. And, and again, I want to push the fact that we've got a new website coming soon. Coming soon. So just teasing that for you. And we're going to have a lot of fun with that. And really, 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 really excited about that. Thank you, Steve, for helping us with that on, on the background. My name is Tom Marcos El Presidente. We do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning. And make sure you check us out on the Twitter at T-Balance and on Facebook, The Balance. And if you're listening to the podcast right now, hit like so we know how awesome you are. We already know how awesome we are. My name is Tom Marcos. I'm out of here. Deuces. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.